0: Hey there, my name's Daniel. You're about to listen to the Saints Church Podcast and you're about to hear a life-changing message. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy. All right, well, welcome to church this week. So good to be with you. If you have your Bibles, get them out. Go to Luke chapter 15. We're gonna reference a story here starting in verse 11 uh, and we're gonna go through it throughout a little bit of the message, but we're diving a little bit deeper into our series three, embrace the mystery, and we're talking about the Trinity, and today we're gonna start talking about the Father. In Luke chapter 15, verse 11, it says this. This is to illustrate the point further. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons, and I'm gonna stop right there. You know, when we study this idea of the Trinity, one of the things that Jesus does is he brings us into a narrative, he brings us into a story about a man And his two sons. And and if you read this story in Luke 15, verse 11 through 31, you're going to read the story of what we mostly know as the prodigal son. But actually, when we look at this story today, I want us to see the perspective of a father, the story about a man who had two sons, because the heart of God, the father heart of God, is reflected so deeply in this story, and as we study the idea of Trinity, we, we look at the fact of God as Father as one part of these three persons, You know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and, and the Father relationship to us can be important for a lot of reasons. It can be a sign of authority, a sign of dependency, a sign of uh, so many different things throughout Scripture, but what I want us to do This morning is kind of dive into the nature and the character of the Father because it's going to help us understand and relate a little bit better to who He is as our Father. In Colossians chapter 3, verse, uh, sorry, Colossians chapter 1, verse 3 and verse 12, you know, the writer is saying this We pray always for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 12 says, Always, thanking the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people that live in the light. The Father is a staple piece, a picture for us to see that the inheritance we get to receive through Jesus when we follow him only comes because we have a heavenly Father who so graciously, generously, and extravagantly extravagantly gave out of his grace Jesus to us, but it also turns into an inheritance for us. The person of the Father enables us to receive an inheritance that we could never earn, that we could never deserve on our own, but it's only out of his grace and his generosity that we are invited in to receive a relationship with God, this is the picture where God is saying, I want to relate to you as my children, not just as people on the outside. He wants to bring us into a situation where we receive an inheritance, we receive what is his, and this is the picture and the story of the gospel. God the Father gave Jesus, and we receive Jesus, and we receive an inheritance because our Father in heaven cares for us, wants a relationship with us, and wants to move in our lives. And as we look into this a little bit deeper today, what I really want to aim for and land on is five things to know about the Father. Five things that we kind of need to grapple with and put our understanding around so we truly understand who the Father is. And the first one is this. The first one is the Father, he's about relationship. He's about relationship. If you go to Genesis, the very beginning of Scripture, Genesis chapter one, we, we find this verse in verse 26. God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. God created us with a resemblance, with a likeness to who he is, to his character, and it goes on to say, so he created uh, male and female, he he blessed them, And, and there is a resemblance, why? Because God wanted us to be known as his children. He made us in his image, and he made us relational beings. Now, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, the the truth remains that in humanity, we all need relationship. We all need each other. We cannot do anything and everything on our own. And you might try and it might be very difficult, but the relational aspect of our need as human beings is very prevalent and very real. And God, making us in his image, demonstrated to us that he created humanity for relationship with him. In Genesis, it talks about him walking with them in the garden. It talks about God meeting with them in the cool of the day uh, as they had normally done. When Adam and Eve sinned, when he came looking for them, it, it gives us the picture and the painting that God was doing this regularly, consistently with them because he had a relationship with them. And this is what he wants them. But he also shows us that though he's a God of relationship, in this aspect of being a relational God, that he gives us a choice. Now, the interesting thing about relationships, the interesting thing about love, the interesting thing about reciprocation of emotion and and how we treat one another in relationships actually comes out of our own free will and our own choice. See, God the Father gave free will Because relationship that is tied to absolutely no free will, that's a little more robotic than relationship. And in this relationship, he gave them a choice. He gave them a choice to walk in and live in all the goodness that he had for them in the garden, to have that relationship with him. But he also had to say, hey, there's also some parameters, there's some rules, there's a choice here. You can choose for lack of a better term, to violate or break the relationship by saying, you can't eat of that tree. You can have everything and anything else, but the terms of our relationship are, I don't want you to eat that or touch that because if you do, you're gonna die. And, and, and relationship has to come with an opportunity for choice. Strong relationships come with real emotions, real feelings, real Uh, conversations that have the ability to build up or tear down. And, And in our earthly relationships, we understand this in our relationships with people, in our marriages, that there is room for hurt. There is room for things to go sideways or wrong when we don't care for them. And God, being a relational being, gave you and me a choice of whether or not we would receive his grace, his goodness, his love, and he doesn't force us into it. And for some of you, when you think of God being a relational God, the struggle for you is in your human experience, there has been a lot of hurt, there's been a lot of pain, and there has been a skewed version of the word father, because someone in your life who was called father. And I want to encourage you that God is not a man, he does not lie that you need to learn to lean into him and say, God, I need to know what you are like as a father because very often one of the hardest hurdles for people to get over is this idea of God as their father because they had a very rough relationship or no relationship with an earthly father, so they don't have a context or a place to put it. But God is about relationship. So first thing to know, the father, he's about relationship. The second thing to know about the father is that he is about righteousness righteousness. Can I just say this, there is right and wrong, there is truth, there is consequence, and there is things that are absolute in the universe because God who created it, this is a part of his character and a part of his nature, and because he is holy, because he is all-knowing, he's all-powerful, because of who he is, he is a God of righteousness and a God of justice. And it comes out of who he is. See, but righteousness actually, if we look at righteousness in its proper context, can lead to more healthy and better relationship. See, righteousness is in place to preserve relationship, to make them better, to help them grow. In in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, we see this in the New Testament that says, the kingdom of God's not just eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, peace and joy, and the righteousness of God is actually meant to lead us to peace and lead us to joy. And sometimes we struggle to find peace and joy in our lives because we want to live in areas of unrighteousness. We want to live in ways where uh, we don't walk fully in what God calls us to. And when there's that friction, when there's that separation because of unrighteousness, we don't experience the peace, the joy, and the grace that God fully intends for our life. But because he's a God of righteousness, yes, there's justice, there's truth, there are things that make him angry, there are things that he won't stand for, but he also makes a way for us to come to him and to grow and to come under and to live in the righteousness that he has for us because of the grace of Jesus. The Father's about righteousness and and unrighteousness actually will separate us from the heart of the Father. It'll actually draw a wedge or drive a wedge into the relationship we have with him. And in Luke chapter 15, I wanna talk a little bit about this story. We have a man who had two sons. We have this father that has two sons and the younger son says to him, he says, why don't you divide our inheritance? I want what's mine now. And he takes what is his because the father gives it to him. He's gracious, he's generous. And he takes off and it says that he he basically Blows it all in, the New Living Translation says wild living. Um, other translations say a little more uh, graphic things. And, and basically, he went and lived however he wanted, what felt right. He did it, what he wanted to do, no questions asked. He, he lived a life outside of his father's house that was all the things that he wanted to do. But I, I want us to understand something here. The father was gracious. The father loved him. The father gave him his inheritance. But the father also didn't allow him to live that way in his house. There was something in this young man that knew, if I'm gonna live this way, it's not acceptable to my father, so I have to go away to do it. And that's a pretty incredible picture in the scripture because you know, a lot of times we think God's always angry at us. He just doesn't want us to do a whole bunch of things. That's why he has rules. No, those things actually preserve relationship and hold us close. But when we start to separate ourselves and go into all the things that we can chase after, that unrighteousness will separate us or we'll feel like, why do I, why do I feel far from God? What's going on here? And And the interesting thing is, is when the son comes to the end of himself, he says this in Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 31. I'll go home to my father and say, father, I've sinned against heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. So please take me in as a hired servant. He knew that in the place of a servant in his father's house, the relationship, the life, the fulfillment was that much better even in a a contractual relationship, not even the the father-son relationship, he knew it would be better than what he was doing. And the righteousness of God actually can solidify our relationship with him. Doesn't save us, doesn't make us better people, but he calls us to righteousness so we have good relationship both with him and with others because he's a God of righteousness. The next thing that I want us to know about the Father is this, that the Father is more concerned with restoration than he is with anger and rage. Now, a lot of people look at uh, the justice of God and and then this is what they'll say, well, but if he's a righteous God, he just wants to be angry, he just wants to send people to hell, he just wants to crush them because of their sin. And and if you stop short of what the grace of God and the heart of the Father truly is, yes, that's how you'll see God. That's why I believe this philosopher, atheist, Richard Dawkins, wrote a book called The God Delusion, does not believe what I believe. I'll preface that there. He said this, The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all of fiction. Jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving control freak, a capriciously malevolent bully. And when you view God only in the lens of justice and righteousness and he's out to get you, people can draw these conclusions. But what I want us to understand is that the scriptures tell us that God's character is he is full of grace and truth. He can be completely righteous and just and completely full of grace and make a way for us and our shortcomings all in the same time. But if we stop at truth, if we stop at justice, we will make a picture or create a picture of God who is always angry, always looking for us to mess up, always looking for us to fail. But that's not what I see in the scripture because when we look at the story of the father who had two sons, even though his one son went off and did whatever he wanted, the posture of the father tells me that he anticipates restoration more than he anticipates bringing down judgment, rage, or anger on any of his his children. He was waiting, the scriptures say. He stood at the end of the road. He was waiting for him while the son was a ways off. He saw his father waiting. And when we see the posture of our father waiting for us to come back, not condoning the things that we do in our own, on our, in our lifestyles that are contrary from his justice, from his righteousness, but always waiting wishing, hoping, believing that we will come back to him seeking restoration. That shows me the heart of the father is about grace and restoration. In Luke chapter 15, verse 20 to 22, it says, so he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son. No matter how far you are today, how bad you feel you've messed up, I want you to understand that though God is a God of justice and righteousness, he wants to see restoration in your life. And when you turn to come to him, he will run to you with arms open. He will run to you with love and he will lead you into restoration. Now let's be clear. Restoration sometimes means adjustment and correction and his leading through all of the tough stuff we need to go through. But he will lead you in love and with open arms because he wants to welcome you home. And he doesn't even let the son finish his speech. The son has this speech of, Father, I've sinned against you, I've sinned against heaven, all these things. And he, and he just hugs him. And he, and he kind of ignores him and he tells his servants, he's come home. I want to restore him, start doing what it takes to restore him, to bring him back to the place that he knows where he stands, he knows that he's loved and that I am for him. God is waiting at the end of the road for you, for me, not with anger but with open arms. He's always the one who makes the first move. A lot of times people read John three sixteen, and and one of the things they miss is for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. He made a way. A lot of people think God made a way because, uh, you know, He's so judgmental and 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 there's so much sin and all these things and He's just angry and He's mad. No that was already in place. And God says, I don't want you to see me that way. I don't want you to understand me that way. So I'm gonna make the first move while you are still a sinner, while you're far off, while you don't even know that you need his grace. God says, I'm gonna make a path of grace back to my house, back to my heart, back to relationship with me because he is a God of relationship. He does care about righteousness, but he is very concerned with restoration of people who are far from him. The fourth thing I want us to know about the Father is this, it's that reconciliation is at the center of who he is. See, we can talk about restoration and a lot of times our mind and reconciliation, it goes to restoring us to God. But I think just as much as the Father wants us to be restored to relationship with him, he's about the reconciling of humanity to one another because we've experienced him. In Luke 15, verse 25, it says this, it says, meanwhile. So all this stuff is going on, and while all of this stuff is going on, it says the older son was in the fields working. Remember this, this father has more than one son. And sometimes when you have multiple children, life doesn't seem fair at times. The older son is working in the field. He comes home, he asks All the servants, what's going on? It says, your brother's come home. Your your, your dad's throwing a party because he wants to restore your brother. It's an exciting day. And I think just like the older brother, for a lot of us, this is hard in our humanity because sometimes God's restoration causes us to struggle in our own hearts if we're being completely honest. I think sometimes we say on the inside, well, I've been a good boy. I've been a good girl. I've, I've followed all the rules. I've tried to do what's best. And God, where's my party? God, I, I don't understand what's happening. I can't, God, if you knew what they've done and where they've been. And, and the truth is, is the father knows. He's not oblivious, but his heart is about restoration and reconciliation. And not only did he have to recon, reconcile and restore a lost son, He had to work on the heart of a son who was close that didn't understand his grace and his goodness for reconciliation. And it says this in verse 28, it says, the older brother was angry, wouldn't go in. So his father came and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to do. And all that time, you've never even given me one young goat to feast with my friends yet when this son of yours, he can't even say my brother. this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. And i really felt in my heart to lean into reminding us that just because we have a father that loves lost people doesn't mean it has to take anything away from our relationship with him. And oftentimes when we feel that way, there are other heart issues that we need to lay down and say, God, I don't know why I feel this way. I don't know why it's difficult for me when I see this happen and that happen. Because we can be present and we can be around, but sometimes we can still have this disconnect and sometimes we need to reconcile in our own heart some of the issues we're dealing with with our Heavenly Father because he also wants us to be able to reconcile to our brothers and sisters. See, God not only wants us to reconcile to himself, but to each other, which leads me to this question, is the grace that you've experienced and I've experienced big enough for us to show grace to others? That's the real question. Is the grace of God in your life and my life big enough, extravagant enough, overwhelming enough that when other people need grace, we're the first ones to offer it? to get beside them and to say, God's here for you and so am I. You see, the Father is about reconciliation. But the last thing I want us to know today about the Father is this. He's consistently and constantly trying to reveal himself to humanity. One of my favorite verses in the Psalms is Psalm 78, verse seven. It says this, it says, so each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. It's remembering who God has been, what he's called us to, and who he wants to be in the present and in the future. God is a God of generations. He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He reveals himself to David. He reveals himself to the prophets. He started revealing himself in the New Testament to people all along the way. He started raising up disciples. This is the story of God, and he doesn't leave anyone out. He is constantly and consistently trying to reveal himself to humanity, and it's in our best interest, it's in our privy, it's in our opportunity to say, God, I want to know who you are. I want to see you who for, you are, for who you are. And as my heavenly Father, would you reveal yourself to me? He's constantly revealing himself. And this is why today I wanted to pick five things to know about the Father. And truthfully, the reason I picked five because I could have went for so many more was I really felt in my heart five in scripture is the number of grace. And it is the grace of our heavenly father that leads us to relationship with him. It's the grace of God that leads us to repentance. It's the grace of God that will lead us out of wrong living. It's the grace of God that will lead us to believe that he's for us, he's with us, and we can trust him. It's the grace of God that gives us a relationship with him that restores us, that reconciles us, And it's what we need to live in. So as we close, I I wanna leave you with two questions and that's it. Two questions to reflect on this week. And the first one is this, maybe we need to ask ourselves, God, how do I need to ask the Father to reveal himself in my current situation? What's going on in your life? What's going on in your emotion? What's going on in your home? What's going on in your heart? I challenge you to ask, God, can you reveal yourself to be real to me in this situation? And the second one is this, and this one's gonna be a tough one, but I challenge you to be bold, to be brave, to be courageous, to say, God, are there any areas of reconciliation, are there any areas of restoration in my personal life or with people around me that you are calling me into? That's going to take trust, and that's going to take faith. But God wants to lead you one step at a time in relationship through his grace to do these things. Thanks for listening to the Saints Church Podcast. Tune in next time for another great word.